Hey guys, this is Mary and Steven from From the Top, uh, your favorite musical podcast on any platform that you listen to ever. Anyway, uh, we just wanted to come on here really quick and just let you know that uh, this week's episode may have some pretty adult themes. Uh, we cover a lot of material in this episode. There's a lot of sensitive material yes. <laughs> covered in yes. in this particular musical. And we, we're we sorry for kicking off uh, our podcast with maybe such a uh, polarizing, sensitive show. We it's just near and dear to our hearts, and yeah. we we know it's a favorite yeah. of a lot of people. But um, it deals with uh, incest, rape, suicide, abortion, teen pregnancy. Uh, what am I missing? It deals with everything. There's a myriad of things. Um, so if this material is not for you, that's totally okay. But we wanted to uh, put this out there that listener discretion is advised, especially for those listeners listeners who may be under thirteen. I don't even know how to start this. Uh, well, okay, you're asking me how to start this? I What? I don't have a script. Well, I, okay, for an actor who doesn't have a script? All right, hashtag improv life, let's go. Oh, I fail at improv horribly. Uh, <laughs> so why are we doing a podcast, Mary? <laughs> Well, I don't know, because it was like the brainchild of like, we were we were talking about the other show that I do, and then you were like, do you know what would be really cool is if we, because we both are nerds when I it comes know. to musical theater. I know. Wouldn't it be fabulous if we had a show yeah. that was like, let's talk about the shit that we like, because I've been listening, you know, I, Steven, right, have been I listening know. to multiple yeah. podcasts that like, none of them are fitting I, the bill. Yeah, well, it's not that they don't fit the bill. I, there are so many that I love. So many. But how? I just, some of them grind my gears. <laughs> well, I think the thing that you said was like the show, like each show had a different element that you really liked, but none of them were all hitting the mark together. And it's like, I want, I want the facts, but I want yes. opinions, yes. but I want uh, just a more, I just need more. Well, I need you, more. I need more. But you wanted it from a perspective of somebody who's been in the thing. Yeah. I I'd, think. Like, I'd, yes, from in the thing, but not like talking down to me. No. I don't know. So, I punch people who talk down to me. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, well, here we go. I don't know. I'm Steven. And I'm Mary. And we're taking it from, from the, the top. top. From the top. A five, six, seven. Tonight, tonight there's no Oh my gosh, okay. That was so amazing. <laughs> my heart <laughs> is so happy. <sighs> okay, so maybe instead of you diving right into our title show that yes, we're going to be yes. getting into, what yes. is what it, we are theater lovers, yes. we are theater actors, yes. we are thespians. We're thespians. Uh, so, I'm holding a skull for anybody who can't yes, see me in the booth exactly. right now. Hamlet, let's go. Hamlet, out, out, damn spot. <laughs> That's Macbeth. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm already failing. <laughs> oh, no. It's fine. Okay, and I'm counting on you for the names <sighs> in all of this. Okay. Let's just be clear. Motherfucker. Okay, well, <laughs> we're off to a great We're start. off to an egg. Uh, we're off to Okay, races, so what's your, what's your theater history background in, in two sentences? Oh, my goodness. My theater history, um, before I was an actress, I was an embryo. <laughs> that was one sentence. Yes. Um, and I have been doing, uh, I really have been doing theater since I was in third grade. And then I majored in it in college. And um, I now do community theater. So I am um, well-versed in a lot of different things. Perfect. And I 
too, was an embryo before a thespian. Yes. And uh, I have had the same journey from elementary school productions, which were my favorite time of year, all the way up until college, where I minored in theater. Actually, yeah. accidentally. Oh, yeah. Accidentally. I, I did. I All of my, pre- or my uh, what do they call electives. Yes. Were just filled. We're like with... <laughs> Musical history theory and all this crap. And suddenly they were like, oh, you have a minor in theater. I went, I I do. Oh, Oh, okay. Cool. That's fine. (laughs) Meanwhile, yes, doing regional community kind of professional. I was with a weird little theater troupe for a while. I I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) It was a lot. So, yeah. We're Steven and Mary. And we're we're trying to come at you uh, from a a real perspective, I think is what we're going to try to call it. Um, I'm going to try so hard to not talk down. I will have opinions about shows, not popular opinions about shows that people love. And I'm going to probably break it apart, but that doesn't mean your love for a show is invalid. Yes. And I, I'm going to – I have such a – like it is almost a physical reaction to theater. Like I just – I've been doing it for so long and it just it, – it really has saved me out of a lot of dark places in my life and it's given me some Absolutely. really happy things. And so I, the opinions that I have are going to be, I mean, it's going to be a lot of emotional opinions because like every time I get into a show, I'm sure Stephen can attest, you get attached to it in a very particular way that like, you know, you just, you can't help but either feel something for it, whether it's love, hate, uh, you know, whatever it is, but you, you feel something with the the shows that you're in and then watching other shows happen. I call theater, musicals, whatever you're doing, the hobby that takes over your life. Absolutely. That yeah. is just a fact. That and like, fact. I, I know like even my professional friends who are trying to do this for a living to put food on the table. Yes. Like they, they almost have a hard time separating professional life from personal life oh, just because it's all so integrated. Yeah. And, but you know, that's kind of the beauty of it. And like the, the not great parts. As Absolutely. Well. Cause there, for every good side, there has to be a bad side. I'm sure. Yeah. So I, I guess maybe that's a segue into we were all teens once. Yeah, I mean, well, no, I never was. I, I came out directly as an adult. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I have an, questions. Yep. I also yep. need to say I'm sorry to your mother. Yes. Well, okay. that is an image that now you get to have in your brain for the okay. rest of your life. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, but yes, no, we we absolutely were all teenagers at one point. And, you know, as as we know, teenagers go through a lot of different things. Um, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I was a very sheltered teenager. So, because ah. I don't know, I came from like a harshly Catholic background. Yeah, and I, I too, was a pretty sheltered teenager. And mm-hmm. I would say we both lived kind of in our teenage years yeah. in this world that these teens did. Absolutely. Yeah. So what show are we starting off with? Uh, so we are going to start this inaugural episode of From the Top with uh, something that is both very near and dear to both of our hearts. We are doing Spring Awakening. Spring Awakening. Oh, my God. What a show. We have opinions. I'm so ready for this. Let's make it. should stop using the F word. I don't know. We've already put an expletive tag it's, on this. It's fine. Yeah, it just is. We're, I, we're actors. It's fine. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it is what it is. We'll try to keep it to a minimum, but sometimes eh. we, we're actors. We get emotional. I, we really, I'm going to get heated. Like, let's be real. Because yeah. this show, 
I mean, we this show, like we were actually talking about before we started recording it, this what forged uh, a lot of, I guess, really things about me when I was doing this show because uh, we did it back in 2016. Um, and I it, should segue. This was the first. This was how Mary and I met. Yes, correct. It yeah. was. So we thought this would be a great show to yeah. start with for our benefit. But yeah. like, I think everyone knows Spring Awakening. You probably love it or hate it, but that's yes. kind of the point of this whole podcast. It's a polarizing it's, show. It's it's a it's a show uh, that we want to create too. Yeah. That uh, is polarizing. Maybe in that I I I challenge you to listen to the episodes even. Of the shows you detest, yes, and the shows you don't know, yes. not just your favorites, yes. and because I I've forced myself to do that with other shows, absolutely, and I've actually shifted my perspective, and that is something that more people should be okay with. Just yeah. because you had opinions about something before. And then you get new information about it doesn't mean that your pr- opinion should still stay the same. You and should. Isn't that the basic message of Spring Awakening yes. in, in some weird nutshell? It's like, wait, yes. information is the key. Yes. And it is allowing people to change perspective. And lack of information causes problems. Oh, my God. As we'll see with this freaking show. Ugh. So will you will you. Uh, the, you I know, know. Yeah, this is, this is going to be rough and tumble. This really whole is. episode, so we're we're learning along with everything. But so. I think in order for us to really do this justice, uh, the only place to start is from the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. That's so cute. It's just amazing. Um, I, I love it. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. So this show initially. Uh, came to be, right? Uh, I think it workshopped. Let me see here. Let me see what I have in my notes. I'm, uh, I'm trying. Because at least one of us came prepared. Yeah. He has a rocked up with a freaking laptop. Let's go. I know. So. Uh, I know. Hold, uh, please. Okay. So we know that Spring Awakening is based on the highly controversial mm-hmm. and oft-censored 1891 play by German playwright Frank that a kind. Yes. I'm also, uh, just for whatever reason, uh, this is from the musicalstageco.com. Oh, just excellent. So, <gasps> yeah, I'll can, give, oh, I'll we give, can reference and state. Yeah, or, yeah, I'll give sources. In show notes. So, great. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Frank Bettekind, right? Mm-hmm. We we know him. So, he sort of pioneered all this. Yes. Like, he was, uh, everything that I looked up on him, because uh, I, 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 I always think about this when I'm given a script, like, who wrote this and mm. why did they write this, yeah. right? So he uh, actually has a fun, weird little history. <gasps> I love fun, weird history. Yeah. So like according to Britannica, originally Benjamin Franklin, that kind, uh, was born in 1864 uh, in Germany. And he died in 1918 in Munich. Oh. Uh, yeah. So the the he was essentially – a huge disappointment to his father, right? And we can now see the <laughs> parallels the themes, within yes, the show the with all the themes. Absolutely. Because um, he uh, started, uh, he was pivotal, we'll say, in creating 
uh, a not a new kind of theater, but a, th- a brand and style of theater mm-hmm. that was upcoming, and they Absolutely. call it the theater of the absurd yes. or expressionism. That that sort of sure. thing. So uh, and so, I had never heard of these uh, sort of things. So. I thought I would look them up and maybe pass on this information. So, Stephen is absolutely the bookworm of the two of us. Thank God for you. I'd, I'd, <laughs> well, because like I want when I'm given a script, I'm like, why does this exist? What is this, and what? Where did it come from? I just appreciate your process so much. Yeah, so like, so, good. so well, I looked up Theater of the Absurd. <gasps> absurd. Uh, why didn't be absurd? Uh, yeah, so Theater of the Absurd, dramatic works of certain European. Oh, this is also from Britannica.com. Oh. Theater of the Absurd, dramatic works of certain European and American dramatists of the 1950s and early 60s. Okay, so he pioneered what is or what was then to be considered Theater Theater of the Absurd absurd. for later. Sure. Because, uh, okay, pin that, and we'll talk about uh, epic theater. So, uh, which is another term sort of for this. So, epic theater is a theatrical movement arising in the mid-20th century, right, from the theories and practice of a number of theatrical productions who responded to the political climate of the time. Uh, And it was through the creation of new political dramas. So, it was theater created to show the flaws in the system to make satire of the things that were going bad. So we can take that back to maybe Greek. Oh, absolutely. All the way back. So it's not like Shakespeare. Yeah. Like all they were doing was making fun. But I don't think people had a name for it. I don't think people Mm -hmm. made it a thing. And so uh, in an era of... 40s, 50s, 60s, we think Beaver Cleaver and everything is great. You are super patriotic and you have to be Ooh, one with your country. Rah, rah, and, you your know, country. Yeah, and we're coming out of, you know, we're we're in the middle of the world wars. Yeah. Everything is, you know, going to shit. It is. Yeah. So, Get a handbasket. So Frank Vedekind is pioneering this way and thought process of going against the system. Yeah. Which was unheard of. Why would you do such things? You how, to, yeah. how dare you go against the system? <laughs> yeah, which, again, <laughs> you can see all throughout Spring Awakening Oh God, fight the system. Absolutely. It's literally a group of teens that go, you know, fight the yeah. man. Like, yeah. It's wild. So, yeah, I just found that really interesting and just sort of uh, piecing it all together from his sort of sordid history with his father growing up being a disappointment. Yeah. And maybe that probably fired and fueled his need to express himself oh, or sure. or find validation in his art. Yeah. Maybe. And so I think that was a thing. So That's amazing. I found that really, I, I found that maybe a point that doesn't get talked about. I love it. With him at all. So that's something. Well, because, you know, when you, when you, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but like oh, when. Oh, and he, I should preface this. He wrote the book called The Awakening of Spring. Ah, yes. Right? Yeah. And that's where it all started in this play came from came from that yeah yep. and th- but like when you're talking about shows with other people you know other you know uh, i guess laymen i suppose like you you never really get the the people who will deep dive into the history of why the thing is the thing because like you know a lot of times when you're talking about shows you get so wrapped up in the in the feeling and the themes and like yeah. what you know what did you see and it's like knowing that the playwright like created this because he was, um, you know, he was experiencing things in his own personal life and he needed a way to let that out. 
like now in retrospect makes me happy that we that we did the show in the first place because like the whole idea of the when we spoke as a cast it was like we're giving voice to the voiceless and I think that that's really cool that he like even back then was able to create this vehicle for you know us to be able to tell a really universal story you know you know century uh, a century more than a century and some decades uh in the future like it's just i mean it's i don't know that's really inspiring to me yeah and so then i think going delving more into this history right of of what you're speaking of yeah. so he put he decided that this book should be a play mm-hmm. he made it into one in germany and it, it was somewhat successful, uh, straight German. I, you know, I think they're more willing in some ways to accept sort of the the topics of this show. Sure. And then he just wanted to bring it over to the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so uh, I will also this is also from Botanica. So in 1891, the publication of his tragedy, uh, The Awakening of Spring. Uh, created a scandal, <gasps> successfully produced by Max Reinhardt in 1905. The play is a series of brief scenes, some poetic and tender, others harsh and frank, dealing with the awakening of sexuality in uh, three adolescents, mostly. Um, what happened, to my understanding, uh, this was uh, early, early 1900s, mm. brought it over. Uh, there was immediate backlash, which we we see, and I will get into like a personal story with this in, yes. in, in a second. So he... He brought it over. Immediate protest. They said, no, we're not going to happen. And they, he couldn't secure that theater. And they, it became this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Took it to court. What happened, the, the theater acquiesced. And they said, okay, fine. You can do one performance. <laughs> it is your opening and closing. <gasps> oh, so we got one. That's tragic. In the States. Uh, just his play. Um, so it was when they decided then to make this into Spring Awakening, the then hit musical of that you know mm-hmm. a decade ago. Mm-hmm. They, uh, I thought it was because I, I think that was sort of an a you uh, United States awakening in some ways. We were starting yeah. to like fight the system a little bit more. Uh, uh, ideals that we had always held from the eighties and nineties were mm-hmm. kind of deteriorating. Yeah. And so it was a perfect time for this show to be sort of, sort of resurface. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, <clears throat> I think it's, I, that's why uh, one of the things I appreciate about, about theater in general is being able to tell a story that continues to be relevant regardless of the time that it's being told. Exactly. Cause like you always will have like um, these moments, these pivotal moments in history that that change the way that people react to things. And, like, we've always known that, like, um, you know, uh, sexual education has always been, like, a linchpin in the American education system, yeah, right? like, we... Oh, what? Adoles- <laughs> adolescents don't... Don't procreate. They don't they have don't, sex. They don't, like, what is this? What? We don't, I mean, you know, look at, you know, mean girls, right? <laughs> we just now don't have sex. If you have sex, you'll get chlamydia and you'll die. Everybody takes everybody some condoms. Ta- everybody takes some condoms because <laughs> we know we're lying to you. Because we know we're lying to you. And so to have a show like this that, that focuses on something that would be considered a taboo subject for a lot of people, I think is so revolutionary because like, it it forces people to sit down and go. This is something that is relevant as relevant now as it was when it was written initially, and it's not something that's going to go away. Yeah. It's not. We need to. 
approach it from a perspective of these kids are going to make these decisions. And if you don't give them the proper information or you don't give them the space to be able to do what they're going to do in a healthy way, ramifications could be fatal, as we find. As you find. In this show. Yeah. Mama who bore me. Mama who gave me. So I think that's a great segue. What? So what is the story? What is the plot of this show? Oh, man. So Because it's hard because this is almost an ensemble show, but there yes. are driving characters. Yes, there are driving characters. So um, I think what, what when Stephen and I initially had talked about doing the show, we decided that we're going to give like our synopses of the show. Like, of course, if you want the actual like textbook synopsis, yeah. um, you know, Stephen, I'm sure probably has it on his computer like you do. But um, you can go out and go search for the synopsis if you would like to. But um, I think uh, it's... Um, it's going to be very interesting for us to be able to give these. So from my perspective, the synopsis of this show is you um, – so you have your – like Steven said, it is an ensemble show. And you've got um, a lot of characters that – it's just a group of teenagers. And they're all um, – they're either schoolmates or they're friends or they're, um, you know, like unrequited love interests. And you've got all these people, all these paths that are dissecting and crossing. Yeah, and we uh, should mention we're in 1891 Germany. Yes, yes. So we are um, – we are very much, you know – this is never a topic that you discuss uh, with anyone on any level ever, ever. Um, but you have a your who I would assume to be the title character, um, what or title one title character. Yeah. Um, her name is Venla, and she is, um, you know, of course, in a very, you know, kind of repressed household. I would say, um, you know, because. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. To say the least. And she, um, but it kind of feels like she is not really a rebel, but she kind of is. Like she's realizing that there are things happening to her body that she has questions about. And her mother refuses to give her any answers. It's like, nope, we're not going to talk about it. It's not happening to you. Just go live your life and figure it out. Right. Meanwhile, we have uh, two other male teenagers. Mm -hmm. Who are best friends, yes. and one is more interested in this. So he's been doing his own research, yes. and he he has learned the the inner workings of anatomy. <laughs> and as we know, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. So, so he's a little powerful. He's just a, just a touch powerful. But it's a, it's a, this show plays a lot with power. Yes. And what is power? Power plays indeed. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so they uh, kind of go on their own A plot, B plot, whatever I'd plot so. number it is of the 70 in this one. <laughs> but oh my God. Uh, it, they, one of them uh, is somewhat of the disappointment to his father. And he, he is not that book smart. And nope. he does, does everything he can, but his best friend pulls him out of lots of ruts. Mm -hmm. And... Among all of these, you know, different... I guess we, uh, uh, Melchior, Melchior is the mm -hmm. one who has all the power. And Moritz, who is the sort of oddball out. He is. He's, uh, he is the one that um, his whole journey is just, I mean, it's freaking wild throughout the show. Um, but then in addition to all of these title characters, you've got... 
um, this whole, you've got a group of girls, a group of like three or four girls that um, are all, um, I think, I believe they're all friends in school. And one of them is dealing with um, not really a sexual awakening per se, but she is dealing with sexual abuse. And she is unfortunately uh, being abused by her father, but she can never tell it to anyone because he, you know, he's really gaslighting her into thinking that, you know, well, this is, you know, you're um, there. Of course, there's a line that now has escaped me, but it's something along the lines of like, well, you're such a pretty girl. And if, you know, just keep your mouth shut and God would want you to, you know, be quiet yeah. about this Ugh, because it, oh my God, it just makes me so mad. And, and, but you have this girl who can't, can't even say it to her group of friends because, she she thinks that it's just normal that, you know, my my father tells me that this is what I need to be doing, but I know intrinsically that this is wrong, but I don't know how to say it to people, which is very reflect. Uh, uh, it reflects the Me Too movement that yep. is happening, you know, has been happening forever. Yeah. And then we have uh, the sort of outlier older than everyone, yeah. Ilsa. Yes. Um, and she uh, left, who I believe is the sister of Marta. Yes. Oh, yeah, I should have probably uh, said yeah, yeah. that. Marta mm -hmm. is Whatever. the one experiencing these things. Yes. And Ilsa grew up in the same household, experienced those things, and said, no, I am not going to deal with this, and goes and joins a hippie commune, essentially, from oh, 18, 1890s. Oh, so. my God. <laughs> Let just, uh, just imagine, like, almost like I, no, I'm, uh, Woodstock? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, so I, it's along those lines. spin on it. It's great. But yeah. And um, then, oh, and oh, well, I mean, and then we have, you know, this. Oh, the gay storyline. The gay storyline. Yeah. Yes, we have. We have to have. We have to have the gay storyline. Yes. Uh, the uh, since we talk about power, he, I believe, he also has a lot of the answers. But oh, yes. He uses them to his advantage. Absolutely. Um, and then poor little. Uh, oh my gosh! Why am I blinking his name? Huh. <sighs> Whoever, mm hmm yep, it's literally right on the tip of my tongue. Um, oh, my, it's whoever, who, uh, Hanshin's love, in, not love interest, but kind of. Um, this is a great first show, people. Oh, my God. Oh, it's God. so But this is going to happen quite a bit because yeah. I suck at names. Well, um, it's, and of course, you know, right before we started, Stephen goes, I'm going to rely on you for names. And I'm like, <laughs> what? Um, not Otto, because that was who. No, yeah. Um, it's uh, the second you say it. Ernst. Ernst. There we go. Thank you. Christ. And like p listeners are like, oh my God, it's Ernst. Or it's like, <laughs> get to it. Like, yeah. uh, get on with it. But yeah. So I always question whether he was manipulated more by Hanshin into Ooh, yeah. maybe being uh, able to express himself or whether he was, you know, I, I always grapple with that. I always question. But they're the potential... Uh, the the gay storyline mm -hmm. of it all, um, but then we also do have we mentioned Georg, who yes. is uh, what we know of Georg. I think he's more an astute uh, young man. Yes, but he an uh, excellent student, I think. But uh, well, an excellent student of the piano because mm. his piano teacher takes advantage of him. Oh, and apparently just has the world's greatest tits, and all he wants is to let those apples fall. Yes, and then. Otto. And then Otto, who I was interested I wish I knew more about him. And you right? know, actually, because I remember um, I watched the full play version mm -hmm. of this. Uh, it was staged in a, actually, it was, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous film. 
um, but it was done in play format. So they were putting on the play, oh, and it was filmed. Sure. And, uh, but it was like in a big white, like forever, like you would green screen it, but it was just white. Oh, in the sure, background. sure, sure. Yeah. So innocence and white ah, and purity. Yes, but. Um, I think there's more to them. They have more play and, and dialogue between everyone. Sure. But I, I can completely see from a theatrical standpoint, musical standpoint, you have to focus on certain storylines. Yeah. So uh, I think Otto got the short end of the stick got there. The short but he's end there as the well. Stick. But then we have all the girls involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Taya and we have. Um, yeah. So we have Anna, Taya, Marta, mm-hmm. and. There's another. Ilsa. I think that's it. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah, because then we had other, I mean, an hour. I mean, besides uh, Vendla. Yes, of course, besides Vendla. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, as you can see, there are multiple different kind of, like, their own, like, everything has its own weight, its heat and weight, which I really yeah. love. Um, and each one of these storylines has its own trajectory, but then at certain points it does intersect with others, but it does it in such a way that would feel organic to life. Yeah. And that's what I really appreciated about this show in particular was I I don't have any experience um, with this show beyond um, <laughs> my my roommate in college freshman year had an obsession with Matt Doyle ah. and loved him <laughs> just on like a tour out of this nightmares and I heard her silver call she said just give it time kid I come to one and all she said give me that hand please and the itch you can't control let me teach you how to handle all the sadness in your soul oh we'll work that silver magic then we'll aim it at the wall she said love may make you blind kid but I wouldn't mind at all Loved him. And so she Ooh, would... Fun fact about Matt. <gasps> Tell me. So he got called back for callbacks for this show, yeah. for Spring Awakening, yeah. right? Moritz. Yes. And he saw his competition in that callback room. He walked out. He walked out of the building <gasps> and his manager... No. ...convinced him to walk back in. No way. So he almost gave up. And he almost was like, nope, we're not, I am not, I'm not going to do this show. Okay. Well, um, that speaks to my actor heart, like hardcore, like let's, I mean, come on. You and I have, I mean, I'm sure have stories of walking into an audition and going, um, I'm not good for uh, this. And for for Matt Doyle to be like, to be like, no, no, I'm not good enough for this. (laughs) Like, and I'm like, well, (laughs) what? If you're not good enough, then what? So. Oh God! Um, yeah, but yeah, I, that's my only experience with the show was just listening to her blast it on repeat. And so, of course, like even before I went into auditions, I knew "Bitch of Living." Like you could start that song, and I'd be like, "Yeah, no, I know what that is. Do I know where it is yeah. in the show?" So, no. well, then to to finish the idea, see, there's gonna be so many side plots. It's just gonna so happen. Journeys. So yeah, but uh, so to finish it out, like uh, we see the repercussions of all of their actions together. So yes. Vendla ends up. Uh, becoming pregnant because yes. Melchior has all the answers and uh, it's in question whether or not he knows what he's doing or whether he just wants to experiment whether he fully knows the answers yeah. or if he manipulated her that's yep. the question mark surrounding it all and yes. I'm, I'm sure different productions play it off differently mm-hmm. um, and then we see the repercussions of Marta and Ilsa yep. in different ways Moritz yep. we see the repercussions of oh, uh, what depression and not feeling like you're enough yeah. so he ends up 
the spoilers, committing suicide. Uh, right. We should have and, probably said that before. That's I fine. mean, oh, and actually, one should uh, speak. We'll we'll chat later. Yes. But uh, the um, other repercussions, like I I find it funny that the one almost gay storyline almost has the happy ending. It really does because like show? it's it's the one it's the one thing that almost has the least amount of drama around it. Imagine and, that. The gays with the least amount of drama. I know. Yeah. I thought it was um, wild. But yeah. Uh no, I don't know. But I also think I I, I played Honchin. Yes, right? you did. And I I have a in-depth I've played Honchin twice. <laughs> yes. I was gonna say you have a very different relationship with the show because you have done it multiple yeah. times. And the whole the whole idea is uh with with all of that, he he I think he is a He's another Melchior, but he uses his information differently. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. and that's that's the best I can really describe it with him. But he, whether he uses that to his advantage to milk the system to mm-hmm. um, get his way or what he wants, like I I just think that's uh, a contemporary take on it. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, it's capitalism. It it's best. So <laughs> what? <laughs> Well, from an outsider's perspective, I would say that, like, being an actor in the show with you, I, I feel like Hanshin is the one that um, that had the – he had the, you know, answers to, you know, the quiz and was waiting for people to come to the correct answer. Right. And when they didn't, he – you would drop – you would drop hints and try to get people to the correct spot. Yes. Well, and I think ever... this is a great segue into what what is our experience with the show. Yes. So we – like we're – overall breakdown synopsis. But what is our experience? What do we – how how do we relate to the show? Because yeah. when I had really minimal knowledge of the show before I stepped into it mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Yeah. And um, I I had played some of the songs and, you know, it was on, it was on a couple – you know, burned CDs, aging myself, you know, from <laughs> from that time. That's fair. Um, but, you know, uh, it, it wasn't my favorite musical. It wasn't one that I, I was initially drawn to. But mm. then it's uh, one you fall in love with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, but because like our experience, your experience with the show. Yeah. How, how did you get involved? So I, um, you know, beyond my roommate, you know, blasting out the, you know, the, the loudest volume her boombox could go. Um, I was, um, so our mutual friend, Errol, that we've mentioned on a lot of different shows that we have, um, was working at the theater at the time in Helena that um, produced the show. And he uh, brought it up to me and said, hey, I've, you know, we're doing the show and I really think that you would be um, a strong uh, presence in the cast. And so I really want you to audition for it. And, you know, when anybody says that to me, like I take it with a grain of salt. But when it's a really close friend like that where he says, I really – I need your pipes. I need your, your you know, joie de vivre, like whatever it is. Right. I just need you to do this thing. Um, I take that very seriously. And so I think I, you know, and it had been, I had an audition for a show in over a year because I had done, um, you know, a, a musical before that, but um, I just hadn't been in a show in a long time. And so I showed up to auditions actually not really knowing the show. So I, the only thing that I had at my disposal was um, the audition packet the week before, which had sheet music available. And um, we were given the direction to, you know, listen to uh, 
the soundtrack on, you know, whatever, Spotify, yeah. Apple, whatever. And so I listened to it and I, but yeah, I had no content. Of course, I didn't do any research, didn't actually read what the show was about, just listened to the music <laughs> and walked into auditions. That was all. That's fun. Oh, it just makes me a really bad actor. It's fine. <laughs> whatever. That's great. So, yeah, my I was on both directorial teams I've been when doing the show. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to learn it. Inside and out more. I choreographed it both times, but, um, and sort of AD'd a little bit. Yeah. Just sort of, yeah. enough. Um, but the, and both times cast as Hanshin because I'm your typical blonde, blue-eyed. Beautiful boy. Boy that, you know, was like, <laughs> well, it's weird. Not that you have to cast Hanshin as such. That was just the original casting. And I think it adds a level of it, of like, oh, you... I think blonde hair, blue-eyed people get away with a lot. They I, do. I think they do. And That's I true. think that just adds a, another layer to Hanjin. It's more of his power. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's just like power. Is it is it really your power or is it just you able to slink by in the world? Exactly. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. So my like my experience is is it's it's a great show, and I I learned different things both times, and uh, you know you learn things as you as you work with it. Yeah. Um. That said, so what what are some of your favorite songs from the show? Oh man. Um, well, the first one that comes to mind is my junk. I just that that song was I feel That's like so funny. That's probably one of my least favorite songs. Is it in really? The show. Yeah. Oh my god, we already have a dissenting opinion. We have a dissenting opinion. Ah, I'm so excited. Yeah. We should find a sound effect for dissenting opinions. <laughs> uh yeah, for I mean, we we do have a mysterious man behind the curtain. Can it be like a like a like a gasp? <gasps> Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Great. Let's yes. Fi- let's perfect. Okay, we'll figure okay. that out in post. <laughs> but yeah, my my f- uh, one of my favorite songs is "My Junk," and I think uh, it was. I mean, I think it was one of the first group numbers that we had learned. Um, but I appreciate it a lot because coming from so playing Marta, knowing that um, uh, not really a spoiler, but I'm gonna say it anyway. So she is in love with Moritz, and but Moritz never notices her, and so this was kind of for me. This was her first kind of, uh, you know, foray into the world of seeing this boy. Remind and, me, is that yes. was that a character choice or was that is that written in? I think it's written in. Oh, okay, because I, I can't remember. Um, she. She also, um, you know, fast forwarding to the funeral scene, um, I I mean, I played it in a very particular way where I, I did cry at every funeral that we did for every show. Of course. So I, but I think that. Um, but not like the grotesque taking away from the moment cry. No, no, just no. Just like no. the easy, like tear. I, try, I tried really hard yeah. to just like, yeah. like have really uh, nice, one of the, pretty One of the best breaths. tips I ever had from a director was like, when you cry, you take that moment away from the audience yes. to cry. That's true. So you can't overdo it or overcompensate for that. Yeah. So I don't know. That's like a director's note. <laughs> <laughs> for anybody listening who, you know, ever needs and, to really cry to- pretty- a totally subjective. Sometimes like you, a show will call for like a complete breakdown. Yeah. Like, of, oh, course. of course, I think that happens more in plays rather than musicals. I, oh, at sure. least I can't think of a moment in a musical where that absolutely has to happen. Mm-mm. I'm sure I'll think of it later and be like, I have like, oh, in correction corner. I have opinions. Yeah. But, but yeah, that that's my I think one of my favorites is just the the um exploration that she does with um 
grappling with these feelings and especially being with her friends because like her friends make fun of her for the fact that she, you know, likes this boy that clearly doesn't do well in school, isn't really liked by a lot of people. And so it's so many different things that she has to work through. Um, and it's what leads, I think for me through her, the layers of her character, which I really, really love. Yeah. Um, so what about you? Me favorite songs. Do you have another favorite song though? Oh, um, I think my other, one of my other favorite songs would be, um, Ooh, uh, I think the dark, I know well, I think dark is, I know well. yeah. I, to me tonally and especially from like a choreographer's standpoint, it, it sets a mood. Oh yes. And absolutely. I, I like the, it's ambiguous enough. You can almost do, you can do a lot with it. Yes. You can do nothing with it. You can, it can be stage effects. It can be. Whatever you you needed to be for your production, yeah, so I, I enjoy. It is. It was one of the moments I think uh, vocally one of the first songs I was able to actually belt the entire song that I didn't have to break into head voice singing it. Sure. And I think that leads to going back to the power theme. I think for Marta singing that song is um, giving her a sense of power because she is putting feeling to words or putting that's stupid. Putting words to wait. Was that right? No, I can't. Putting I, putting a feeling. In, into words. Into words, yes. Yeah, okay. I promise I haven't been drinking. It's fine. I might be an actor, but I'm not drinking. Speaking of, we're, we're about at like intermission. <gasps> oh my so God. Speaking oh, of, yes. Yeah, speaking of shots, well, I, I threw together really quick uh, a shot I'm going to call Purple Summer. I love it. So what's in it? Yeah, so we're talking UV, a little UV blue because <gasps> you need that blue hue. Yes. Uh, some uh, strawberry lemonade <gasps> uh, vodka Ooh. as well. Uh, then we have some grenadine. To make sure that it becomes a nice, lovely purple hue. Oh. Mix it with some uh, lime soda water I and shake up and pour. <gasps> oh my God. Well, this is, we we should, we're going to do an inner, like it's actually yeah. intermission. Like intermission. Like we're going to have to yeah. do the thing. So cheers, clink. I I don't know if that was able to be heard. No, but, but we we're clinked gonna, and that we, was so scary over the soundboard. Okay. But you did it. It was great. All right. And delish. <gasps> Wow. Oh, the flavor profile of that is so good. Yeah. So I guys, I just, you're missing out. I thought it was purple summer, like lemonade berries yes. fresh. I, I was just like, this seems this seems correct. Absolutely it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> that is also an inside joke for Steven and I because that's the thing. Absolutely. So um, but yeah, I the the Putting those feelings into words and being able to say how hurt she is and how awful what's happening to her is and how scared she is that she can't tell anybody. And she sings it in tandem with her sister. And um, it's it's just such a powerful moment because the perspective yeah. of the two of them is Ilsa was able to leave. And it's, it's chilling. Oh, it, it uh, oh, and especially the way that we staged. Oh, God. It was yeah. just the way it was beautiful. we staged it. it was um, I can't wait. 
Describe it. So um, we had, uh, so it was Marta and Ilsa, and um, Ilsa was kind of walking the periphery of this song while Marta was giving her her first. Yes, that's and then right. You guys, um, all of the other actors were paired up, boy girl, yep. and everybody was doing um, different 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 lovely like body exploration exploration moves yes. and you know adding to a tone and atmosphere of yeah. the dark i know well and dipping ladies yep, 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 by yep, the yep, things yep. and oh yeah, yeah that, that sounded fun. dirty but it's fine <laughs> whatever it's a dirty show it is it um is. so yeah, yeah those then, are my favorites. and then when uh my first time i did this we staged it differently it sure. was very much just marta and then when oh. ilsa comes in she sings her part sure and then they come together and then we had like this lovely huge shadow option in the back of like <sighs> the the dad coming in. <gasps> And oh my like God. The, right as it peaks to the climax at the very end, you get this big shadow, dark dad figure oh. coming in on them. Oh my God. And so it's just like it's dark. It's just like you know what's about to happen. Oh my God. That oh my God, that's terrifying. Yeah. But that was I, how that was how we did it. So oh like it's man. it's funny to compare and contrast to be like it can go so many ways. And we did have the the mirroring which I really appreciated about what we did was Il- so Ilsa and I are standing in the middle of the stage and we are mirroring each other as we're singing together. Yep, yep. And then we ended, you know, like um I'm pretty sure we were back to back as we ended, but like I oh my god, that just gave me chills. Like just Yeah. yeah. Oh God! Oh okay. my God! So then okay. moving on, like Sorry, of, moving on. no, of course, like uh, other <clears throat> most mentionable songs, "Mama Who Bore Me." Yes, uh, you have to, you have to. It sets a tone for Absolutely. the show, of course. Uh, totally fucked, complete. It, it's a uh, pivotal moment of a sort of Mel- Melchior's downfall, mm-hmm. and or maybe coming up. Like, mm-hmm. um, it, it all of it's good. Uh, I a, a personal favorite of mine is "All That's Known." <gasps> Um, oh, I, love I think that song. I think it it just it says a lot within the lyrics, and yeah. I love that it's being backed by like Latin. Uh, I've, I've never taken the time to look up what these roots are, so I would love maybe that's going to be a thing, and maybe in like I'll I'll update you in like a mini sode or something, yeah. and be like, oh, like this is what this means, this is what this is supposed to be, and actually now this makes so much more sense. Oh my but, god, yeah. I love it. Um, so yeah, but uh, honorable mentions. It's it's I I also like how they carry through, um, uh, word of your body. It is a <gasps> yes. theme throughout the entire thing. Yes. So it's not only Vendla and Melchior's song; it's everyone's song. Because it's because all of us, it's it reflects the the idea that it's not just these guys that are going through this thing that all of us are kind of going through a shade of what's happening to them. Because exactly. like like the thing that I don't think gets touched on a lot is the fact that Moritz is almost scared of sexuality. Because like you know there's a an, there's an entire scene that he and Melchior have together well, where Melchior's like I don't know if it's scared. What is it? I do, I say this. From a place of love. I, you were never a teenage boy. That is true. <laughs> You're right. Uh, says the man behind the curtain. Oh, we have a lovely man behind the curtain. He should say hello. This is Tyler. Yes. Mary's oh, he's boo. shaking. Oh, his he's head. shy. Like a good stage manager. Like a good stage manager. He just, he's he just gonna thumbs stay up. Behind, thumbs up. But he is the man behind the curtain. Everyone, once, all this. every once in a while, we might end up. Asking for an Just opinion. Just be like, we need an opinion. We need yes. oh, this could a tiebreaker. Yep, a tiebreaker tie opinion. A tiebreaker. <gasps> tiebreaker. Oh okay. my god, that was adorable. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I I think, of course, then we'll say purple summer. Yeah. Gorgeous ending note, and it's sort oh, of ambiguous, so and good. you don't know, but it's 
hopeful. Yep. But it's sad. But that's why I appreciate the show so much because you, you know, you you assume that every musical is going to end on a happy note. You have all of these dark notes that show up throughout the show. You've got, you know, like sexual abuse. You've got suicide. You've got um, rape. rape, You've got, um, you know, abortions gone wrong. Like there's all these things. But the end of the show is ambiguous, but it, it ends on this note of even though for me all of this bad shit has happened, there is still always the hope that springs eternal, right? Yeah. And that, that there will a always new be will come, the a sun new will year come will come. Up. The sun will come up. Absolutely. And even though there is this dark night that everybody's gone through, that there will still there is always still something to hope for. Yeah. Oh, um, so good. Yeah. I, uh, granted, I, I don't know what a purple summer is. No. Mm-mm. I don't think you're supposed to. I'm sure. Is that is that an actual thing? We're going to do that in our corrections corner. We're going to, yeah, or we'll the director's see, notes. We'll figure we're it gonna, out. Yes. Well, it'll be great. But, uh, okay, moving speedily ahead. <laughs> so um, segues are weird. <laughs> yeah, segues are weird. Uh, do you think there are any weak points in this show? Ooh, that's it's because weird. we just talked about, like, purple summer is a great strong point. It is a great strong point. Because I think point. it ends... Correct. Yeah. But what's a weak point? What What is something you wish? I think we talked a little bit about maybe the side characters not getting not getting enough attention. Day, yeah. Um, I think that um, at least for mm, maybe it, okay. In my opinion, it is a weak point. So when Melchior gets sent off to school, right, and he gets sent off to the boarding school, and there's that one moment where he has it with the group of boys. That are all... That was always so weird. Doing, like, because they're all, like, aren't they trying to, like, I think you can probably touch you're, on it better, but they're... You, pr- essentially, you're supposed to be in, like, a, a masturbation circle. Yeah, it's like a circle jerk. Yeah, like, and you're like, what? This is Like, random. why are you doing this? this is, it, it's a random moment, and I, I, both times I've done this show, I'm, it's, it's always just this weird divert from... Like, boys will be boys, but, like, why are you into, doing it? I'm like, why are you... Why are you wanting to like? <laughs> like, we've already had yeah. sex on stage. Do we really need to whip out more dicks? Do we need to dicks? go here? Okay. I, yeah, I don't know. Sure, but that's fine. Why, but I know, maybe they were like, we've covered everything else. Let's, so let's cover this too. Let's cover cover Melchior in this. <laughs> oh God! Oh God! <laughs> Gross. I love that I had a moment of oh God, and then realization of what you said. Um, yeah, that was I, I will. I will talk about another Ilsa. Is a fantastic role. Yes. I don't get a lot of her um, drives and needs and yeah. and sort of like the background she needs. I Like it would be fun. I should ask the actresses who have played yeah. her um, just to be like, where did you find this? Yeah. But from me, from my outside even when I was on directorial teams, I think it was just always accepted of what her story and journey was. Sure. I don't think it was ever delved into. Mm-mm. And so, it's very surface. I, so I, I find her story to be, while it's a main point and she's pivotal in Moritz's story. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it, and I don't know why she did did a lot. She she explains some of the journey she's had, the experiences she's having yeah. at this commune, but she's not going into we know that she left a bad situation. Yeah. But um I don't know. I I she intrigues me enough. I want more. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes you just need to be left wanting more. So I don't know. But if there, to me, if there was a weak main character, could mm-hmm. be that. I will also vouch for Ernst. Yes. I think I, because even as Haunchen, I don't know if I'm manipulating him. I don't know if I'm yeah. allowing him to come and be his true self. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he, I think that's an internal actor thing. Oh, sure. As well. Absolutely. And I know both of my Ernsts came at it from a, nope, I'm just suppressing feelings and I didn't know. And that's how they played it. But yeah. I think it could absolutely be maybe Hanshin's just manipulating him like Melchior did Vendla, if that's how the Vendla Mor- Moritz or Moritz Melchior uh, interaction was. Sure. So I don't know. I also think too that um, another side character that I would have liked to have known more about is Georg. I would like to have because <sighs> yeah, it just you get you get a touch of Georg in in um, you know my junk because you get. Um, just that one, you know, moment of, you know, sexual tension a little bit, but I, like. I think maybe because in the Bitch of Living, oh, of course, Bitch of Living, uh, such a bop. Oh my God, a yeah. certified BOP. Yeah, and super fun to choreograph, by the way. Um, okay, so I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to, pl- I'm going to give you like major kudos because like watching, watching you choreograph these boys some of them who could not move their bodies for shit it was just it was beautiful to 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 watch it all come together because like there was an actual like an acrobatic moment where like somebody gets flipped over that was me yeah oh yeah of course it was steven of well course i'm was. not gonna put someone else <clears throat> in that danger <laughs> that is 100 fair um because you know you've been like a, a cheer caption or whatever um <laughs> sis boom raw sis boom raw sports ball yay um but it was just watching this group of of guys like really commit to this moment was super cool because like well, the whole point at like it's carnal yeah right oh, when we're talking about the bitch of living we're talking about we have a lot of sexual repression right now yes. and like kind of going back to that teenage boy thing mm-hmm. like oh god damn it you, i just all you want to do is pull the badge yes all you want to do it's just night date random random erections and uh, you, you can't help it mm-mm. and there's no way to get rid of it nope like, you're like Hurr. I mean the only way to get rid of it is yeah. looked down upon very frowned upon and like you're looking at women and you're not understanding why mm-hmm. like you're having these feelings mm-hmm. and you're like, oh gosh but or to be again assuming or to be a teenage boy who is looking at women going that doesn't appeal to me but that does so why does women not appeal to me exactly but guys do and that's like another point of Hanshin it's just mm-hmm. like no he knows Oh, he's the, I think he's the, literally the only person in the entire ensemble that is aware of who he is and is accepting of who he is. Yeah. Because everybody else has some, so, <laughs> the man he, behind he, the curtain nods in he approval. Has, he has the most emotional intelligence. Oh, absolutely. Of anyone. absolutely. Like everyone else is in their hormonal states. He's like, no, I know. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. And so you should. not only does he pull the padge in his bathtub or, you know, or in, in, he sneaks he into is. the bathroom at night yeah. so his parents won't know. But this was always the the thing. He's 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 actually getting off to a picture of a woman. Do right? and so we need to talk about that. And I I don't understand why. Like that seems well. It, I was always confused. But I'm like maybe maybe he's bisexual. Maybe it's idea of power. Yeah. Again, it's just like some people get off on power. So and I don't know. I don't know. But I. There was so uh, th- very fast touching on a um so of course the the ways that we did the show were different right so you did it you know the first time that you did was I of was course. fully naked with like nude underwear in a <gasps> bathtub 
the first time I did this. Second time, it was under a large nightshirt with just the motion. A large of the hand. nightshirt with motions. Yes. yes. But so the the one of the exercises that we did when we were in rehearsal, which I am a huge fan of the rehearsal process in general. But um, what our director had us do was we created playlists for ourselves. We had a playlist that we would play in front of our parents, and a playlist we would only play in headphones. And so we took songs from our playlist and he mashed them all together, and we did an exercise where we would organically have conversations with other characters as you know we would in the real in the real world and so the conversation that i remember having with hanchen um i you know and of course this was also my first time walking up to steven talking to him as a human being because i'm like i can be an actor or i can be a character and talk to another character but i couldn't talk to him in real life because i was scared anyway um because you you because i'm so threatening you really are you have a lot of power um but i remember my character walking up to Hanchen, and I only knew very, you know, again, very surface level, but I didn't even have to say anything. And Hanchen looked at me and went, Why don't you just tell him? And I stopped and was like, well, um, What do you mean, just tell him? He's like, Well, obviously, you're in love with Moritz, so go tell him. Like, what's the worst that could happen? And it was the first time that, like, I realized that Hanchen is really not pulling the strings, but he's above this watching this play out going, Oh, aren't you kids just cute that you don't know what's happening? Like, here's what's happening. Just go to it. Like yeah, it's the and, voice and, in your head. And, and I think this ugh. is, I think this is also another point. So like diving into the history of maybe how school was yeah, for these people back sure. then. So uh, Hanchen to, to my knowledge, kind of like Melchior, we were older by a, a, a couple or a few years. But yeah. you were in the same room yep. going through the same lessons or whatever as yeah. maybe younger people than you. So I always played it as I'm a little older and a little more mature. Yep, absolutely. And yeah. it was an excellent way to play it. It was excellent. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, that exercise was super, super cool and Ugh, fun. And because and I had more fun because I had already played my character. Yeah. So it was fun to just walk around and experience sort of this little bubble world of improv in a way, yeah. which I suck at. But uh, it was easy <laughs> to, because I'd already done it. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But the, yeah, overall, the show is solid. I, I can't really find plot issue. Mm-mm. I do question that whole bait circle. I don't get uh, it. But, I don't either. you know, I guess the, they thought it was a great ad. So... But I, I can't think of any other moment in the show where I go, uh, there may be some slower moments, some draggy songs yeah. or or things of that nature. But overall, you know, it it's an atmosphere show. It's a it, it it's a tone. It's yeah. a serious show of in course. a lot of ways. So I, yeah. I get that there might be lulls, too. Yeah. All right. So I need to figure out what to call this particular segment. And I, I think it needs to be like characters study or show study or whatever it might be. Ooh, okay. But we're going to do some, not rapid fire per se questions, but we're going to quickly go through. We'll do this every time. Okay. So we'll ask the same questions of every show Ooh. and say, does it pass these tests? Sure. What, what are our opinions on this about this show? Okay. I like it. So maybe... Uh, uh, <gasps> Can we call it quick change? Quick change, uh, I, but that I don't think that's gonna work. Oh, okay. damn! I thought I was. I kind of thing. It, could, it could be cute. It could be cute. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we can figure out a place for that. We can call it a speed through. Speed through, maybe. Okay, I like this table read. I don't <gasps> table know. Table read. Yeah, I don't know. So, first question: Does this show pass these tests? Okay. Does it pass a representation of women? 
Mm, uh, oh, shit. No? Well, okay, women for the time? See, yes. and, and this is where I will always get into this dichotomy and maybe where some of my opinions might come across as like white privilege cis male in a way. <laughs> but I, I, I will always be like, yeah, but this show was written then. Yeah. That doesn't mean that it should be propagated now. Sure. In modern times to yeah. say, oh, this is okay then. Yeah. However, I do think certain shows are almost time capsules sure. in a way. And if you don't say say things or have things in, in a correct way, yeah. it's bad. But like we can look at shows like Bridgerton on Netflix where suddenly it's like it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter, you know, how, how inner workings of all this. You're, yeah. you're just going to play it as it is. But that wasn't how it was. Sure. So sometimes I think it can work. And sometimes I think we just need to be able to separate what how it was versus now. Sure. So when I ask how are women represented in the show, I think they are absolutely used, abused, and not in a good light. Absolutely. Per se. I agree. Um, especially even like the the one adult female who plays all female roles. Mm-hmm. Uh she she's less than. She's weak. She is uh yeah. she the one time you get maybe the woman in power, she's she's stooping a, a kid. Yeah. So I mean ha, ha. and the mm-hmm. other the other adult female's corrupt. Like yep. she's just following along with what the headmaster is going for. Absolutely. So I don't know. Uh, I would say women are not in the greatest light. However, 1891 Germany, that's probably how it was. They mm-hmm. were a wife. They mm-hmm. were in not a position of power. You were a title, not a person. Yep. Does this show pass the test of race? I mean, for the time, probably. I Because you're in, I mean, you're in 1890s Germany, so that's going to be a very, you know, a very, I hate to use the term whitewash, but kind of. I mean, like, it's a very... It is. But, uh, but does that mean you cannot cast people of color? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, no. I, I think that... Um, the race, as far as this show is concerned, in my opinion, race is not a factor in how yeah, people are treated. Ra- no. And I think this show would actually do better for being multiracially cast. Absolutely. And in, in certain roles, it might even add to a character. Because yeah. it, it can be, it can speak to a different modern issue going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. Hell yeah. And and to to put that to a forefront, or it might just I think it creates different nuances Absolutely. that maybe aren't there. Um, representation, like gay. I think this is one of the first shows to really have like a not a gay icon, but a gay main main like, main character almost. Yeah, in a way, and yeah. un- unabashedly so. Absolutely. And, uh, oh, not trying I, to hide it. I not said I was afraid. going to talk about this <gasps> later. We're going back to it. So Touch I it. actually had people walk out of my first production of this during. The whole scene with Hanshin and Ernst. Oh boy! Because we're in lovely Montana, uh, yeah. and it's uh, some small minds, yep. and they weren't weren't willing to see what they don't want to see yep. on stage, and yep. uh, they got up, cried filth, and walked out. In the middle of our scene, we're not quiet about it either. Oh, that's lovely. But we just continued on. We had people, I remember the second show of our um, showing of Spring Awakening, we had people walk out during my junk when you started, you know. Oh, yeah. Doing the I love causing problems. I just do. (laughs) Um, And do you think there's a way, since we women were really the only thing maybe that was an issue, could it be fixed? Can that perspective be fixed? Um, oh, my. I, I 
don't know. That's a really good question. I I think maybe giving <clears throat> Vendla a little more substantial power, like it's her choice. I, and not so ambiguous and just letting Melchior take the reins. Maybe it, it be Vendla's decision. And I think maybe some productions do take that route. Sure. I think, though, um, at least at least for me, I feel like that would change the tone of the show. Yeah. If Venla is in charge of her own, like if she makes the decision to do, you know, whatever. Because, like, I feel like one of the general themes of the show is that you're teenagers. You don't know what's best for you. We're adults and we're telling you what to do. But how many times do we see teenagers say that? And, like, I'm in charge of myself and I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. And then it backfires. That's true. Which, I mean, as we see with Venla, like, is exactly what happens because, I mean, Melchior does, I mean, manipulates her, I I mean, I would say, in a but way that makes we're, it we're feel like... we're forgetting the whole scene in which Venla asks to be whipped. <gasps> that is true. But then, but he does it reluctantly, though. Exactly. And then when he hits her too hard, that's when she realizes maybe she didn't exactly know what she was asking for. Yeah. And I think it makes Melchior question... Uh, did he like it? Mm-hmm. Did he? Is he scared now of this side of things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely, all of them are good questions. So yeah. I don't know. I think I think it would be interesting to deep dive into what that side would look like if maybe absolutely. the girls had a little more power. Um, we can totally do like a sub episode. That's totally. like let's, just to see, just let's to see just maybe deep dive and let's be. change things. Perfect. Uh, well, the next next major question that I like to do with all musicals. Does this story hold up without the music? Now, we already know there's a play. Yes. So I would have to say absolutely. Yes, I agree. I think this is a story that needs to be told, I think. But does the music add? I think the music adds to it, absolutely. But if it were to be a straight drama that did not have music, I think it would still tell the same compelling story. I think as an actor, the moments that are musical, like The Dark I Know Well, that gives me an opportunity to be able to express myself in another way, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate the music, and I'm very glad that it exists. But I think that um, it's, it's not a make-it-or-break-it element yeah. of the show. Same. I think it makes it a completely different medium oh, and yes. experience. Of course. And I would absolutely go see the play or the musical. Given the option. So I I think it it passes both of those tests. Agreed. Um, Could, I know how I would answer this, could it change era, time, decade? Can you, like, put this in 1950? And I think it's an an unequivocal yes. You absolutely could, and it it would still hold the same weight, but it would be a different kind of weight. Yeah, it... I think it it changes some of the story, but I think it almost sometimes it might hit closer to home. Absolutely, of course. Like because it's easy when you're like, oh, this was a century ago. Mm-hmm. Like we don't deal we've, with we've that. We've moved on from we've that. Moved past but them. it's just like parents being like, oh, my kid doesn't vape. Uh, try again. <laughs> Check in the glove box. There's of no your vaping car. going on at my school. They don't have sex. Oh, like, yeah, they yeah. don't have sex. It's it's the same thing. So Agreed. I think it unequ- like if this were set right now, I think it would hold just as much weight with a story. Oh yeah, and and every single storyline. I almost argue that it would hold more weight if it was I, today. I, I, I would say we, uh, it probably is something people are looking into to be like, yeah, let's try a modern version of this. Oh my and god, see how that would read. I and love a- that. Honestly, all it is is costume changes. Yeah. It's it's all you need to do with it. Oh yeah, all you need to do. Absolutely. Um, 
50 years from now, will this show still be wanting or needing to be staged? A hundred percent, yes. Absolutely. I think so, unless there is some weird spring awakening. <gasps> oh my God. Um, if there's in, an... in the zeitgeist of our humanity. But I think there will always be a need for a certain type of show like this. Well, and I think it, it's always um, something, especially speaking from a female perspective, I think that it is something that absolutely always needs to be kind of refreshed because like it, women, unfortunately, historically, it it feels like our stories don't get told as much or as, you know, well as they deserve to be. Sure. And I think that especially right now with things like um, with like the Me Too movement and the, you know, repealing Roe v. Wade, there's so many things that women are crying out for this. I know. There's like there will be there will be people now. Yeah. Like trying to do these basement abortions. Yeah, or going to different countries and trying to get them done with it, standards that aren't that aren't safe. It isn't oh god. And it is absolutely it's the and I think the core element of that is it comes at least from a female perspective comes down to fear. It's the fear of being, you know, like with Venla being ostracized for being pregnant out of wedlock or yeah. the fear of, you know, what are and my it has so much little to do with what the actual person is going through. It is yeah. the people around them. Absolutely. Because what are the repercussions of telling my mother that I'm pregnant? What are the repercussions of... Because then your mother has to tell her neighbor. And exactly. your mother has to go to church. Yeah. And your mother has to go to work. And or how... your father has to tell his people at the bank. Oh my God. What and will the people at the bank say? What will my neighbors think yeah. if they see you, know, you coming out looking the way you do, knowing that you don't have a husband or that you're only 15 yeah. years old? Like So it has so much little to do with what's best and good for the person. Yeah. And for everybody around it. It is f- the people freak out and vote certain ways because but when they're in that position, they want to be the exception. Absolutely. So annoying. And final, what would you change in this show? Besides getting rid of the circle jerk. <laughs> um... I think that I I would change um I would want more meat when it comes to the the background of the people that we talked about not seeing their stories. Yeah. And I think I, want I think more of that. I think my correction is along the same lines. I want more meat in this script um not just from Melchior or Moritz. Absolutely. Because I think they drive so much of it. Hanshin gets a lovely monologue where he's explaining his whole inner workings. Yeah. In a way, skim the cream off the top. Yeah. Like, you now know all you need to know about Hanshin. Absolutely. But I don't think everyone else gets their due, maybe, Mm-mm. in that way. No. I think Marta gets a lovely moment, but you only get background. You don't get, yeah. like, who are these kids? And yeah. how can I relate to them Absolutely. that way? The only way you're really going to relate to some of these people are if this has happened to you. And that's morbid to think about. So I want more ability to connect with these characters. And I think that comes from script. Unfortunately, that happens in a lot of musicals. You have to cut... Cut for time. Meet for time. Of course. And I mean, that's just... I think we're going to talk about that a lot. That is uh, the... um, The hazard of the trade. Yes. 
Final thoughts on Spring Awakening. Oh, God. I am I will always come back to the show and have great, warm, fuzzy thoughts about it because I forged beautiful friendships in this show. I found out a lot about myself and what I can do. Um, I think that it is a timeless story that can be told regardless of the decade. And I think that it's something that needs to be told more because too often people, like you mentioned, people don't um, like to see things that they don't agree with and people don't like to be subjected to things that they find uncomfortable. And I think that in order to facilitate real change in any sort of stage of life, you have to become uncomfortable in order to change things for real. Yeah. You have to be able to look at things from a different perspective and walk, walk, walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Absolutely. I, yeah, same thing. This, I, the first time I did the show was very much forged in, in a developmental time. Uh, actually the show was a great sort of almost catalyst for wanting to come out and experiencing Hanshin's life and being like, no, you know what? I need to be unabashedly who I am. And Hanshin, I think pulled a little bit of that out of me. So, I love that. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, so I, I have a very push-pull love for this show. Um, I think it has its place. This, Although I, not every song I love, I think it is a beautiful show and deserves to be done for decades to come. button i love that well we did the damn thing we did it all right so uh uh, well i I guess we uh thank you guys for listening today yes and thank you to um if you guys haven't already um anchor.fm is the way that we were able to do this so if you want to start a podcast if you like when steven came to me and said oh my god we got to do this thing i said great i have exactly how we're gonna do this yeah and so this is also funny so i actually live in portland oregon yes and Mary Boo, is still also, in Montana. I know. It's okay. But uh, so we'll probably be doing these uh, hundreds of miles apart. Yes. And so Anchor is uh, with their distance feature over yeah. whatever. We're going to be allowed to continue this. Yes. And I'm I'm super excited to, to dissect more things. And um, I hope you guys will join us next time for another episode of From the Top, a Wandering Unicorn production. Bye. Bye. in all this as I hate the sound of my own voice.